Welcome to the Youth Group Podcast. My name is Gabe Perez. I'm the youth pastor here at First Perez OC. And this week we are talking about Advent and specifically peace in the context of Advent. And really just understanding what peace is, where it comes from, what peace is not, and how peace is found. So Hope you guys um, are having a peaceful night or peaceful day or whatever time you're listening to this. Uh, it's currently 6 o'clock uh, when I'm recording this in the evening time. But um, yeah, if you haven't been at youth group for a while or if you're a parent or somebody else that's just curious about what we're teaching and how we're going about stuff, um, hope you guys can all be blessed and uh, just understand a little bit more about what peace is and how to be able to have true lasting peace in this life. So, enjoy. Amen. Alrighty. Woo! Uh, everybody stand on your feet for some horseshoes.
just thank you. Um, we're here for you. Uh, we're here to hear from you. We're here to deepen our relationship with you. And Lord, we're here just to honor and glorify you. Um, Lord, I just pray that our hearts and our minds would be centered on you and what you have to teach us. Uh, God, let us be humbly broken before you and just lay all that we have at your feet um, and let you just do a mighty work in our hearts and our lives as we look at Advent and um, the season of Christmas and what that means and um, the reminders it brings in this time. In the mind of Jesus, we pray. Amen. No. All right. So this week, we are going to be talking about, drumroll please, drumroll everybody, drumroll, 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 drum drum go back, back, what are you doing? Peace is what we're actually talking about, and I'll, I'll cue you in, so don't worry about it. So we are actually talking about peace, and what peace is, and what that means, all right? Um, so yes, uh, we talked about Advent, and how it means arrival. Um, but I need everyone real quick, everyone say peace for me. Peace. There you go, peace. So thank you. So peace, inner peace, uh, peacefulness, being a peacemaker, uh, peace out. And in general, peace is just a part of a lot of parts of our world, a lot of things in our world, right? We talk a lot about it. It's mentioned a lot. Um, but it's something that in the world there's very little of, right? How, I mean, would you say there's a lot of peace in the world, when you hear, when you look around, and you hear about things going on. Uh, no. a, it is something that is fairly rare in the world today, um, and it's something that we all want and want more of, but it's hard for us as people in general to be able to have. Um, and the thing is, peace is a rare thing generally for 99% of the people in the world, including a lot of Christians, for various reasons. But mostly, a lot of what peace the reason why peace is so lacking is because we can't really agree on what peace is and how to find peace for everybody. You know what I mean? Um, and so think about it this, this way. So there's two families. There's one family that lives, they live right next to each other. One family, they are loud and intense and crazy. And they just, they love hype. They love craziness. They like to build dirt bike paths in their backyard and go motocross and like they like to play the drums in the garage and um smash walls and just like go out in the street and be loud and like hit stuff and be crazy like you know the mom plays drums and dad's a huge sports fan is yelling all the time and getting crazy and if things aren't like loud and moving and crazy and tense all the time then the family feels like something's wrong but their peace is found in crazy loud wild activity right yeah, some people love that. Some people are like, oh, man, I'm like in my element, right? Some people are all about that. And this family, they're all about that. But next door, this other family is the exact opposite. They like quiet. They like reservedness. They like things to be as they are. They like things to be put in their place. They don't like to be loud and obtrusive. They don't like to be demonstrative and going out and disturbing others. They like to just sit and be. They like to be calm and quiet and, and very selective of what they say they don't like to just blurt out things they don't like to make a ruckus or they're going to make a noise they're going to be very intentional about it and their peaceful their idea of peace is more quiet is more hey let's just be as we are maybe it's limited screen time and if they have a they have a tv it might even be like very quiet when they're watching it or they say hey like 
you know, don't, you know, you don't have to like watch videos or watch TV. Like, like go read a book, you know, go be quiet in there or go lay in your hammock. Like, and like, that's, that's how that family operates. Two very different families, right? But one family is very comfortable with one and like being very peaceful and, or seemingly peaceful. And the other scene, their peace is found in just the wild, fun, exciting parts of life, right? And they feel like, man, like I have so much energy and life and I'm at peace whenever life is happening, when things are going and doing stuff. And other people are like, I'm at peace when things are slowing down. I'm at peace when things are that. But when you put two families like that next to each other, it's going to be kind of weird, right? Because, yeah, they're, they're, because their idea of what peace is and how to achieve that peace are two very different things, right? Because if one has their peace, the other is not going to have their peace. Because this family wants something to happen, but if this family gets what they, are, what they think of as peace, then this family is going to be missing out on what they want in their life. They're going to feel an unrest. They're going to feel disturbed, and things aren't as they should be. They feel like things are weird for them. They're like, I got to do something. I got to let's, – let's go jump on something, you know? Like, <laughs> and there's people like that that have that angst that they just like want to go and do stuff. And other people have angst going out and doing stuff. And it, but it's, it's both ways, guys. And if this family had all, all they wanted, this family would be like, you guys are way too crazy for us all the time. And there'd be a conflict there. And oftentimes our idea and our feeling and thoughts on what peace is, is based on what whatever person thinks is right. It's based on individual preferences most often of the time, which is why peace is so hard to find because everybody has their own preferences, right? Everybody has their own idea of how things should be, you know, and that's kind of the idea of worldly peace. And that's why the idea of like peace happening in the world in general is very rare because very rarely everyone's on the same page and feeling great about things, right? Everybody typically has some kind of angst that they're upset with that they want things to be better in this way or that way. There's not a group of people almost anywhere in the whole world that is like, oh, we're all good. Everything's fine. Like, we don't want anything. We don't, like, everything's as it should be. But the biblical idea of peace actually comes from this word called shalom. So everybody can say shalom. shalom. So real quick, shalom. And so this is a Hebrew word, um, and this is like really kind of what the biblical idea of peace and what's translated as peace in the Bible very often comes from this word shalom or uh, sholom. It's like S. S-H-O-L-O-M, and then Shalom is a different word. Shalom typically means kind of completeness, reconciliation, um, or uh, things are as they should be. The things are, have been made right. There's Everything is in its place, right? And so the thing is, we have ways of describing Shalom, but we don't, in English, have one single word that really encapsulates what Shalom is. But shalom is a, a, a biblical, godly wholeness. It's a, it's a completeness. Everything is as it should be. It's something that, you know, the way something was made to be is how it is going. Whenever we're operating as things should be is the biblical idea of what peace actually is. When it talks about peace in the Bible, that's different than a worldly peace of everyone just gets what they want. It's not just what we get what we want, but it's actually how things should be. If we tried to apply worldly peace to these families, no one would win, right? Every, it was like At some point, people would have to give up a portion of it. They would have to compromise, right? And so when you think about shalom and biblical peace, it doesn't mean compromising. Like, hey, 
you guys like to be loud. We like to be quiet. How about you guys are loud on Tuesdays and on Wednesdays we get to be quiet. And everyone's like, oh, okay, fine. We get to be loud sometimes. You get to be quiet sometimes. And you, you, there's a... There's not a, a, a totally 100% agreed upon, this is how everything, like everyone's fully happy with it. But you're making a making amends. That's not what the idea of shalom is. And in a worldly peace, we think about that, right? Like, hey, there's two countries going to war, and they say, hey, we'll make these agreements, and we'll stop fighting as long as you guys do this. And I'm like, okay, yeah. So it's kind of like nobody really wins, but nobody really loses either. But that's not how shalom is meant to be. How are we able to then, if we think about shalom or biblical peace, how are we able to attain or have true biblical peace in our lives? If the world is not in shalom, if there's no peace in the world, and if we can't fix all the problems of the world, and we can't just get everything we want, right, for our own peace, how are we to have shalom? Where do we find peace? Where does our peace actually come from? And simply put, Peace is found in Jesus, and it's found in a relationship with God. So the thing is, when God came to earth, like Jesus was first born in his human form, that was the first sign of hope to the world, right? Like we talked about last week, that was like, oh my gosh, God has come down to earth. He is with us, God with us, Emmanuel, God with us. That's like that's the ho- sign of hope to the world. Like, man, I don't know him yet, but he's here. He's here. And we can celebrate and resoundingly celebrate and have hope in the coming Savior. And it was the first sign to the world that God's shalom was again coming. So in the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth and talks about Adam and Eve being in the garden, it talks about that everything was in shalom. The shalom reigned, that everything that God created, man and woman and the creatures of the earth and the world itself, and when he made things prior to us sitting, everything was as it should be. There was nothing messing it up. Everything was living in harmony together as God intended it to be. But it's our sin and our own selfish desires that end up ruining shalom. That's exactly what happened in the beginning, that shalom at that point was broken. And we've been, we have this angst for peace and angst for things to be made right, for justice to be made whole again, that there would be no wrongs in the world, but things would be made right. And the idea and the desire of us wanting shalom, us wanting peace, really comes from the desire for God and his way to be made whole on earth. But we just, as sinners, we think, oh, if I do it my way, things will be all right. <laughs> if we all do it on our own merit and our own power, it's not going to work out. But whenever things are as God intended them to be, then when he makes things complete again, that is shalom, and that's when we actually have peace. And when we are in a relationship with God and living for him, then we are able to have that same peace in our lives as well. So in Isaiah 9, 6, It describes the coming Messiah, Jesus, in this way. It says, For to us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. How really should things be? Things should have been working in relationship with God. 
everything should be flowing and working with God in mind with all, all that's happening as he created them. So if we want peace for ourselves, we must also be in a relationship with God. We must be living in step with the one who created us because the one who created us knows how we're meant to do things, right? Exactly. Like if, if I made a, a, a bike, I know how a bike's meant to be ridden, right? And if I see someone who's like, I don't know how to ride this, and they start riding it backwards. It's like, that's not how it's supposed to be. And it's like, but someone's like, dude, I figured out a way to ride this, and it's great. It's like, that's not how that was meant to be ridden. And just like, let's say I built a highway, and you're – so, and everyone's like, okay, I built a highway. The highway is meant for cars to drive on. And everyone starts walking on it. They're like, this is the best path ever. This is the smoothest hike I've ever made in my whole life, right? But guess what? And another no, thing is, okay, shh, shh. you might think it's kind of silly. But, like, that's kind of how a lot of times we operate when we're trying to live our lives without God. God has established a way for us, but we try and do things in our own way that doesn't make sense. But when we start living as God intended us in relationship with him, living out his commands in our life, then we're able to fully go along and understand how God has planned things. And he, we ended up realizing and feeling the wholeness, the completeness, the shalom that comes from only a relationship with God. All of that also points back to Jesus being the Prince of Peace, the P Prince of Shalom. He's the one who establishes that for us in our lives, and we only can have that in a relationship with him because he is our peace. In Ephesians 2.12, uh, that's where we're starting, or 2.11 actually, it says, Therefore, remember that formerly you who were Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done by... Uh, done in the body by human hands. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. All right. So again, to give you guys context, he's talking about that the Jewish people were like the people of God. Like they were his chosen people in the Old Testament. That's why God moved and did things in and through them in the Old Testament. That's why it talks about the message of the gospel was first to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. So if you're not an Israelite Jew, you are a Gentile. So welcome to the club. I'm one of them, right? So I'm kind of a half-breed anyways. But um, all of us that aren't Jewish are Gentiles. So basically the rest of the world. And the Messiah came to the world through the Jewish people, right? And so he's talking about first, before you knew God, you didn't know him. Like you were without him. You weren't able to be a part of the promises that he gives. And you didn't have a hope because God hadn't had a relationship with you and he didn't enter the world and have that relationship with you guys. But that's whenever Jesus came and made it full circle. And he's talking about, he's contrasting. That's how things used to be. Before you knew and before Jesus came, you, before you knew God, you didn't have hope. You didn't have any God's promises. You didn't have him living out in your life. But now, everyone else prior to Jesus, they didn't know him. But that all changes whenever Jesus comes in. So let's continue. But now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, 
who has made the two groups, the Jews and Gentiles, one, and has destroyed the barrier, dividing the wall of hostility, by setting aside his flesh with the law and its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one humanity out of the two, thus making peace. That is, again, kind of going back, peace not just between like Jews and Gentiles, but like peace over the world. We don't have, there's nothing dividing us anymore. We are a single human race under God now. It's not just God's chosen people. All people have the opportunity to come to him. And in one body, to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. Meaning, through Jesus dying, we're able to actually come to God in him. He came and preached peace to you who are far away, that is, the Gentiles, and peace to those who are near, the Jews. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. And this poison in the passage is just here pointing to that Jesus came down, died, rose again, and went back to heaven so that everyone in the world is now equal in God's eyes. Everyone is equally able to come to a faith in Christ and have a relationship with him. And because he is our peace, that means everyone who comes to faith in God is able to have true shalom, to have true peace, to have true completeness, to be made whole in Christ because without God intervening, without Jesus taking our sin, we have a big God-shaped hole inside of us. But when we put our faith in Christ, he makes us whole again by filling up that God-shaped hole that we all have. The shalom comes when we are made complete in him and start living our lives for him. We're all equally responsible, but also equally able to be his children. The Bible tells us here that we must simply put our faith in Christ to be saved. No matter who you are or where you're from or what you've done, we're all the same. And all we need to do is put our faith in Christ to be able to be a receiver of the peace that he brings. God forgives and his grace, his grace is not exclusive at all. He preached peace to all people. He preached peace near and far all through his cross. And the blood of Jesus wipes away all of our sins, which means there's no separation between us and God anymore. We don't ever have to feel like God's too far away. If you're ever feeling like God doesn't understand me, he's not, he, doesn't, he isn't in my situation, he doesn't know what's going on in my life, you feel like God doesn't understand. Jesus died so that way there wouldn't be that separation. That there would be no more division and angst between us and God anymore because God came down and he understands our struggle. He lived a life here on earth and understands what it means to be tempted. And for us, we can never say as a Christian that God's too far away. He's came to come to make peace between us and himself, to reconcile us to himself, to make everything right, to make us whole again so we can be his children. And in Jesus, we have direct communion with God, which means we can talk and be in a relationship with him. We can now begin to have a full, complete life, a life of shalom, being complete in God and receiving his peace. 
And Jesus is coming back to make everything right in the world. Now, the world may suck <laughs> right now, but we can have peace knowing that Jesus is coming back and he's going to bring shalom to the world again. He's going to make things as they should be once again. And he will eventually bring all of creation in complete unity with him once he removes sin and the death. And Christmas is an amazing and great time for us to reflect and remember how special it is that Jesus came to earth. He came and he died on a cross so that we can have hope beyond the grave and so that we can have peace right now, today. We can have shalom. We can be made whole in Jesus now. We don't have to wait for peace to be dead. We don't have to, be wait. We don't have to wait beyond the grave for that. We're able to have peace and be whole now when we have our faith in Christ. And in the meantime, while we're waiting for him, we can have peace and we, have to be, we can be free of anxiety knowing that in the end, God's going to have the victory. In the end, God's going to be the one that's going to make everything right. Even if I don't get to see it with my own eyes, I know that one day he will. And we can all rest assured that God's faithful and he will do as he says, as he always promises. And when we're living for him, we live in that shalom. Let's pray. Father God, um, oh, we just thank you. Um, we thank you that we don't have to worry and um, stress and have anxiety about things. Um, we always do. We always will. But we, don't, we know we don't have to. Uh, Lord, we know that your shalom, your peace, your wholeness is always available to us. We simply need to come sit at your feet and lay our burdens down. And trust in you and let you do a mighty work. And the tighter we hold on to things in this life and the more we think we can control things and make things how we want them to be, the less peace we're going to have in this life, Lord. But you are the Prince of Peace, Jesus. And you're greater than any problem we can face, any stresses that we have in our life, Lord. Um, and as much as we might want things to be a certain way, our way, we know that when we live for you and we do your will in our life and we put our faith in you, that's when true peace, when true completeness comes in. So Lord, let us not make the world and the situations around us the determining factor of what is peace in our life. But let our peace come from a relationship with you. Let our peace be rooted in you and your love and your faithfulness. We love you, Lord. It's your mind and we pray, Jesus. Amen. There you go, guys. That is our lesson on peace in the Advent season. I hope all of you can have that peace if you don't already. And if you do already, that you'd be able to continue pursuing the Lord, understanding and gaining more of his peace, his shalom, his completeness in your life as he continues to make you more and more like himself in that wonderful process we call sanctification and that you would 
continue to bless others, not only with his love, but also his peace.